Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling writer Faye Kellerman, author of the long-running Peter Decker and Rena Lazarus series. Her latest book in the series, the 27th novel in the series, The Hunt, will be published later this month. And one quick note, I've also interviewed Faye's husband, Jonathan Kellerman, and her son, Jesse Kellerman, on the podcast. I'll add links to those interviews in the show notes so you can check that out. And Faye, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new Peter Decker and Rena Lazarus novel, The Hunt, how would you describe the novel? Um, It is a... um Obviously, a crime fiction novel. Um, Peter Decker and Rena Lazarus had been, as you said, in 27 books before. This book is a little bit different, a little bit unique, because there's two what I call simultaneous co-blocks going on. There is a Decker's search for a body that he found in the forest or that was found in the forest, the identity and what happened to that body. How did it get there? And then, um, Peter has a Peter and Rena have a very blended family, and one of the members of their family is their foster son, Gabe Whitman. The second co-plot um, centers around Gabe Whitman's biological parents, uh, Christopher Donati and Terry McLaughlin. They have appeared many times in my novels as cameos or as um, more interesting subplots in the novel, but in this particular book, The Hunt. They take an equal footing to Peter and Rena. And it has been interesting writing two uh, plots and making them come together and writing such disparate characters. Whereas Peter and Rena have this wonderful, harmonious, functional relationship. Terry and Christopher uh, have a really dysfunctional relationship. And as you know, <laughs> In life, you want to be the normal person, but as a reader or viewing fiction on movies or television, you want to learn about the crazy people. Sure. And I'm curious, do do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The Hunt? Was it the idea of doing these co-plot lines? Um. Peter and Rena's co-plot actually came as an actual um uh, sequela of The Lost Boys. I left things kind of purposely dangling a little bit to bring it into this particular book and to give a nice smooth finish to what started out in, in my last book, The Lost Boys. I always knew that I wanted to write uh, in a book where it was going to, I, I knew where it's, this may be the last book, it may not be the last book. I knew I wanted to write the story of Chris and Terry on an extremely dysfunctional relationship. So that has been burning in my head for a long, long time. And it was a lot of fun to write. That's great. Well, I'm curious, when you wrote the first Decker and Lazarus novel, The Ritual Bath, did you ever imagine that you'd be writing about these characters in 26 more novels? No. Uh, when you write your first book, you don't know it's your first book. You're just writing uh, from your fart, and you're trying to do the best job you can, and you're also trying to make the characters as interesting as you can because you want to grab the attention of some editor saying, hey, this person is worth publishing. So the answer 
is no, you, you don't think that far in advance. However, after the ritual bath was published, and not to a grand fanfare either, it, it did okay, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we have to have 12 books from this author. <laughs> uh, especially in hardcover, it didn't do better in paperback, but a hardcover, it was just like it read on the shelves and it died which makes the original hardcovers valuable books because they sure didn't print a lot of them. Um, after the ritual bath, they were kind enough to say, okay, we'll take a couple of more books from this lady. And they did. And <laughs> that's what started the series. So little by little, people started joining uh, the train. And uh, I got to the point where uh, I did have a fan base. And my fans are the best in the world. They're just wonderful. And I love them and I thank them for all the support they've given me all these years. That's wonderful. Um, I wonder if we could go back to your original kind of writing journey. What led you to writing The Ritual Bath? Had you written fiction before this? Uh, attempts. Mm -hmm. You've always, your first novel is usually not your first attempt at writing. Um, it took me a while before I found what you call your voice. And that is specifically when a reader can kind of pick up a book and sort of figure out this sounds like Faye Kellerman, especially in the series. You want to keep a constant voice. You want to something that is uniquely yours. I've written standalone books that have totally different voices, but that was purposely done. Um, I liked Peter and Rena because they were two distinct characters. Um, they had a background, especially Rena that would put them into a nice traditional relationship, which is what I've had for 50 years. Jonathan and I have been married for 50 years, if you could believe that. <laughs> and, but still, even though they were normal people, they were very interesting. And Peter's normality allowed him to think about very twisted cases or that's um, the fact that he had a stable life allowed him to go out and investigate all these horrendous crimes. Um, you need some stability in your life to be a good detective. And I think his relationship with Rena, besides his relationship, she's a very, very, very brave woman, and he bounced ideas off of words, and sometimes her comments would lead them in a, a different direction. So uh, the, the short answer is no, I didn't think I would be writing about them. But the long answer is I'm awfully glad I'm still writing about them. Sure. Well, as you alluded to earlier, The Hunt may be the last Decker and Lazarus novel. Is that the case? It is a novel where I am going to take a hiatus. I don't know. Just because you stop writing doesn't mean you stop thinking about things. The brain is always on. Brain is always giving some sort of idea. Hey, what about this? Or what if this happened? Or, you know, this area, what, what if this happened there? So the brain is always on. My active writing as of right now, as I said, is on hiatus. I need to take a breather. Uh, it's been an odd two or three years. I wrote The Hunt during the COVID period, and it's an exhausting um, period, and the book was an exhausting book to write because Christopher Donati is an exhausting character. <laughs> so um, he just 
walks into the room and he sucks all the life out of everything. But yet he's compelling and you can't stop reading him because he is so compelling. So I need to take a little bit of a break, uh, whether it's now or forever, I don't know. But if this was my book where I was ending, it would be a perfect book to end on. That's that's great. Well, I'm I'm curious, over the years, given your success and and the fact that um, you know, as you said, the ritual I mean the ritual bath uh you know was was not um an immediate success, but but over the years you became very much a best selling novelist. I, I was wondering, you know, as you were sitting down to write new novels over the years, did that best selling status ever cause you stress? Um, or did you just figure out ways to put it out of your mind as you were working on the manuscript? The manuscript takes on a life of its own. You don't think about anything else except where you're going, it, what these characters are going to do, and where they're going the day you sit down and write. Um, it's not a... I think there are, there may be some people who let uh, successes go to their hand. I never thought about it. My only interest was how am I going to construct whatever I'm writing today. Uh, it's a day-to-day process, which makes it a long-term process because you cannot write a book in one day. Um, it is uh, anywhere from five to ten pages a day. So you have to have patience and you have to be totally concentrated and focused on, on the task at hand. Um, none of the other stuff really is um, significant. Just in so far as I'm glad I was able to make a very handsome living with it. But the fame or um, whatever fame there is it never really got to me at all. Sure. Uh, what is your writing process when you were working on a novel? Um, are you someone who outlines the novel extensively before you sit down and write page one? Or did you just dive into the narrative and, and kind of see where it took you? Um, both. I've had some books that are extensively outlined. I've had other books that um, I have a partial outline or a partial outline in my head, and I start writing and go with it. So um, both of the processes have taken place over my, my you know, 35-year career. What always happens, no matter how assiduously you outline, um, is the book changes. because. The characters speak to you. The characters do things that are surprising. The story takes on a different twist that you didn't expect when on the onset of writing. So you'll always, and never exactly matches, it never matches the end of your outline. And there's a lot of reconciliation that goes on between the way you started the novel and the way you ended the novel because some plot lines that you thought would be very, very interesting, turned out to go nowhere. And sometimes something is very, very developed at the end and not as developed as it should be in the beginning. So you have to go back and add stuff. Um, it's, it's a constant process as life is itself of going back and forth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sure. Well, when you were writing the series, I'm curious, did you ever plan ahead for future books in terms of story arcs or plots, or did you take each book separately as you were working on it? Uh, this, this book, I, I knew I was going to end with this book, or at least take a long hiatus with this book. This book had been in my mind for a long time. Um, most books, no. Um, I totally concentrate on the book that I am writing. And when I am finished, I start thinking of other things uh, that I would find interesting. Uh, so it has been a process of knowing what to write, where to fit your characters, and um, the timing. Some things are just, they're good in the abstract, but they don't fit what you're writing at the present time. So you always have to keep in mind the story you're writing, the characters you have, and not try to arbitrarily fit some sort of storyline that doesn't uh, blend into the novel and enhance the novel as of. That's great. Well, as I mentioned um, in the intro, uh, you are um, married to a best-selling author, Jonathan Kellerman, and your son, Jesse Kellerman, is also a novelist. I'm curious, given you, you know, you're surrounded by fiction writers, what writing advice would you offer to those who are working on their own stories and novels? Um, be very, very diligent. Uh, don't let, um, don't let people, unless you very much trust them, try not to show your work in progress. That's big mistakes. And try not to show you and in your finished work to any to more than one person, because you start getting once you show it out and say, "What do you think?" You're going to get advice, and probably ninety nine percent of it is going to be worthless. Believe in yourself. Work hard. Work daily. Um, don't wait till the inspiration hits you. It never does. The writing itself, um, it's what makes you creative. Actual feedback between seeing the ideas on paper and reading them is what gives you ideas. And um, just do it and enjoy the process. That's great. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? I read a lot of nonfiction, especially when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I'm not writing currently, but I read a lot of magazines. I read a lot of uh, nonfiction books. Um, because I love history, as I was uh, telling my husband, it's so good to read history because it gives you context. Uh, newspapers do not give you context, but history does. And uh, I, how can you write about what's going to happen in current times unless you have a good idea of what happened before, um, before we were here? So 
Um, as I said, I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of hobbyist magazines. I read birding magazines. I read gardening magazines. I read cooking magazines. And um, as I said, not a whole lot of fiction. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me, especially when I write. Sure. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels and your latest novel, The Hunt? Um, I have a Facebook page. <laughs> Excuse me. And I also have a website, uh, Bay Kellerman uh, website. So you can look me up at either one of those places and you can write to me and I do answer my, my mail um, or I'll answer it in general. I love hearing from you and I love my fans. They are absolutely the greatest. Wonderful. Again, we've been speaking with best-selling writer Faye Kellerman, author of the long-running Peter Decker and Rena Lazarus series. Her latest book in the series, the 27th novel in the series, The Hunt, will be published later this month. And Faye, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. This was how I remembered it. After gaining consciousness, lying on the floor, bloodied and battered. I was sitting on the couch going over my legal options for what was going to be a protracted and nasty divorce, trying to figure out how to make this happen with no money and working with a legal system over 7,000 miles away. My five-year-old son was sitting beside me, playing a video game. My 11-year-old daughter was in her bedroom, door locked, doing whatever she did in the privacy of her own space. Juline was hyper-adult, and one of the things I did when I rented this apartment was ensure she had her own space. It was a two-bedroom place, and Sanjay slept in the smaller of the two rooms. Juline had the master, and I slept in the living room on the couch. I was so lost in thought that I didn't hear the footsteps outside the door. The building was exposed, and usually I heard people walking up and down the steps. Not this time. Had I been more alert, all this may not have happened. It was only after the door flew open and I screamed, Run! that everything kicked into high gear. Two Indian men, one immediately grabbed Sanjay, while the other said something about finding the girl. My son was kicking and screaming as I gripped his legs, pulling him toward me with my opponent pulling in the opposite direction, a mortal tug of war. The man had covered Sanjay's mouth, and I remembered telling my son to bite his hand as I scratched the intruder's arm and yanked Sanjay furiously. But the man was taller and bigger than I was and held on fast, even with one hand over my son's mouth and nose. I kept at it until the second man returned, asking where the girl was. When I didn't answer, he whacked me across the face, once to the right, once to the left, and another time to the right. Then he took my hair, wrapped it around his hand, and yanked so hard a clump came out. Sheer willpower was preventing me from letting go of my son's legs. Then he hit me again on the right side of my cheek, this time with a closed fist. My vision sparkled and danced as I began to reel. As I was going down, he kicked me in the head, and then twice on my right side in the ribs. I felt the crack. For good measure, he gave two final kicks, one in the stomach and one in the back. Still, I was clinging on to my son's feet. It wasn't until the siren came into earshot that the men panicked 
saying something about a neighbor hearing the noise and calling the police. One final twist, and then a hard jerk that brought an electric wave of pain through both arms, and my baby was gone, leaving me empty, except for his small polka dot vans still in my hand. I brought it up to my face, balled myself up into a fetal position, and then things went quiet, then dark. When I awoke, I hadn't any idea of how long I'd been out, only that things were silent and I was in excruciating pain. My right arm was dangling uselessly by my side. My jaw was throbbing, my head was ringing and pounding, and my face was on fire. I tried to stand, but as soon as I moved, my sides caved in, and a new wave of pain and nausea coursed through my body. My nose felt clogged and runny at the same time, and as I wiped it with my left hand, I saw blood. The siren that I had heard must have been from an ambulance or a police car passing by, because no one had come to save me. Since it was summer, it was still light outside, with the sun filtering in through the top of the curtain. I always kept them closed, but the gap at the top allowed me to see if it was day or night. I lifted my head, and through swollen lids I could make out my purse. I inched over, doing a soldier's crawl to a side table next to the couch, and yanked it down with my left hand. The contents spilled out, including three phones, my personal cell, and two pay-as-you-go burners that I picked up a few days ago from Walmart. I retrieved one of the burners and called my son in New York. Gabe answered after the third ring, thinking it was his father, but then he heard my voice and asked what was wrong. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.